On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome Jenny Shia. Jenny is a recent National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree and a writer and editor living in Brooklyn. Originally from Shanghai, she graduated from the University of California, Berkeley, and earned her MFA at Johns Hopkins University. Her work has appeared in Agni, Ninth Letter, Joyland, Narrative Magazine, and the Best of the Net Anthology. Jenny is the recipient of a Breadloaf Scholarship, a McDowell Fellowship, and artistic residencies from Yaddo, the Virginia Center for Creative Arts, and Log Haven. She is a contributing writer for Architectural Digest, Apartment Theory, and Dwell, where she was the executive editor. Her debut novel, Holding Pattern, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Great. So why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit the elevator pitch for Holding Pattern? Absolutely. Holding Pattern is about a mother and daughter. So we enter the book with Kathleen, who is sort of blowing up her life in that she suffered through a humiliating breakup. She's abandoning her PhD and she's moving back home to Oakland to be with her mom for the summer. And her mom, Marissa, is just completely different from who she remembered. She's no longer, you know, depressed and and drinking and dependent on Kathleen. She's turned into this Silicon Valley 2.0 version where she's drinking green juice and rock climbing and running. And she's engaged to this Silicon Valley entrepreneur. And Kathleen feels like the person that she wants to hold accountable and and return home to isn't there anymore. And as she prepares for her mom's wedding in in under the shadow of, you know, this should have been me, she starts picking up this gig as a professional cuddler and she has a run-in, a situation with a client that makes her rethink notions of intimacy and connection in all the relationships of her life, but especially with her mother, Marissa. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to touch on all of that. I mean, the the themes in this novel are so electric. So, yeah. and, and some of our favorites, personal favorites as it is. So we're going to hit on a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, but I'll say one of our favorites is mommy issues and mother-daughter relationships and how complicated it is. And it's something Corinne and I talk about endlessly. So that personally for me was the draw for why I wanted to read this book. But I have to tell you the, which we will talk about, the, the cuddling aspect and the intimacy yeah. was a totally unexpected obsession now. Of, of yeah. uh, Kate and I had dinner about. last I, night and talked about it independently for like a half hour. Yeah. So we're going to get to all those. But the mother-daughter, I knew this whole other area, wow, which we then somehow related back to our mothers. Don't you worry. So we will get to <laughs> We'll it's all that. connected. The first it, touch. Yes. It really yeah. is, isn't it? But we want to start where we always start with our sort of complicated female protagonist. So with with Kathleen, as you mentioned, she's clearly at a crossroads, been dumped by her boyfriend. You said left her graduate program and, you know, living back with her mom. So tell us about your development of her, how she came to you, how you got to know her, maybe any challenges you faced when writing her. Absolutely. Yeah, Kathleen is really at a crossroads, as you said, and is kind of home with her tail between her legs a little bit. But I wanted her to really have a moment where all the things that she thought were going well in her life kind of come to a halt. And I think we can be very much tied to these ideas of this is the track I'm supposed to be on. 
in my personal life, in my career, in my romantic life. And there's so much pressure to do all that before some sort of quote unquote expiration date, I think, especially for women. And Kathleen is really, you know, hitting a wall where all the things that she thought were going well for her are falling apart. And I think it gives her a moment for her to step back and really think about, is this actually even what I want? Or am I just sort of locked into a certain track and just seeing it through to to the end? So that's something that she's struggling with and that I found to be a resonant question to be to be thinking about and to give to a character to be wrestling with. And I wanted her to, you know, also see that reflected back in her relationship with her mother and this weird inverse of the wedding situation where usually, you know, the mom is doting over the daughter and it's a little bit of this like passing the baton sort of thing. But for Kathleen, she also has to deal with these feelings of jealousy and guilt and a little bit of resentment, even as she's performing all these acts of love. So that was a really interesting thing for her to to wrestle with as well. And I think it makes her realize what are the things that are really important to her and how does she want to approach the, the themes of her life that are important to her in a different way. So yeah. for example, in the beginning, right, we see her very much in this academic realm of studying cognitive psychology and thinking about haptics and touch, but from very much a clinical remove. And then you see her sort of also think about touch in her life as a professional cuddler as she starts to dip her toes in that world. And that's a very embodied, very Mm. opposite end of thinking about about touch. So she's rethinking all the, the elements of her life. Yes. And they're falling apart like her relationship, they're actually falling apart, but she's also rethinking them as you're, as you just said, like, and that is, I think sometimes the step we don't always do, like we deal with a breakup or we deal with, you know, an argument or some tension, but we don't always think about like, what was actually at odds here? What, you know, my expectation versus reality and, and how do I want to move forward with it? Another really surprising thing for me about this book was, The trope of the woman coming home, especially in, you know, like romantic comedies, you subvert that because usually those are the town she returns to is frozen in time, right? Mm -hmm. And, and she is like this worldly person and, and she goes back and everybody else is frozen in time. But that's the opposite here. Everyone at home, you know, LB and Andrew, her mom, Brian, like these people have all really moved on with their lives and she comes back and it's part of the title, right? She's in this holding pattern where she's the one who's sort of frozen them and she's like, but you don't fit the mold that I'm used to with you. So that I really loved that and appreciated that. Um, Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Kathleen's mother is another complicated woman that we get, Marissa. As I think you mentioned, she's now like a running, hiking, green juice drinking woman which is a far cry from the the Marissa that Kathleen has kind of really seared in her head. So tell us about Marissa, why you wanted to, I mean, I love that you made her the one who's getting married and how she's had this really like resurgence of her own life. And I wondered if you had ever considered giving her a point of view in the book or how much of that did you have to write for yourself to know her as a character? Because part of the 
story, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Part of the story is that Kathleen doesn't really know her as well as she maybe wants to. There are real barriers between them. And so how could she know her that well? Talk about Marissa. Yes. It's so hard to know someone. There's, I mean, there's that line in the book where without giving too much away, you know, Kathleen looks at Marissa and essentially sees the distance between them and kind of makes peace with it a little bit in terms of knowing that's maybe the way you can best love someone is to understand that you'll never know someone completely. What you'll really understand is how far you are apart. And part of loving someone is is knowing that and accepting that and be able to see someone wholly and in doing that seeing the distance that will always be the disconnect between you know what you think of someone and and who they really are yeah. because how does anyone know who who I you know, know i don't even know who i am who i yeah. am let's <laughs> yes. know who you are amen thank you amen. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. so i mean very much that is the view that we the lens that we see marissa and i really wanted marissa to be sympathetic in terms of you see what she struggled with you see what she's had to leave behind in her immigration and you know her her marriage falling apart her first marriage falling apart but i also wanted her to be barbed i wanted her to have moments of cruelty i think kathleen and marissa both have moments of cruelty toward each other and which is another trap of what happens when you love someone so much you you know each other so well that in those elevated moments, it's very easy to push the button that you know will make someone self-destruct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, yeah, in, in, in painting Marissa, I really wanted those two things to come through, you know, her, her humanity or also her flaws. And I wanted her anxieties to come through, you know, what has she been through? What is she worried about? How is she trying to protect her daughter Kathleen from those same issues, but in doing so, how is she maybe unintentionally inflicting harm? And so a good way to to think about her was really just through the lens of Kathleen and, and what she wants, you know, in terms of her relationship with her mom. And she wants more freedom. She wants more acceptance. But she also really understands her mother and wants to take care of her. So they they both have these elements of knowing that each other has the other's best interests at heart, but the actual, you know, getting there is a lot tougher because of all these differences that I think you you touched on, Corinne. I mean, when you when you immigrate and, you know, this is something I experienced with my my own mom and, you know, your kid is a child, like that child grows up in a completely different cultural context. So Kathleen and Marissa have a lot in common and they're really bound to each other because in some ways they're each other's whole world and family. But at the same time, they have a huge disconnect and a lot of parts of each other are incomprehensible to each other just by virtue of the ways that they've grown up and where they've grown up. Yeah. 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 It's very well Very complicated. Yeah. I do want to talk about this minus touch, the cuddling. So before we meet Kathleen, as you said, she's getting her PhD in cognitive psychology. But when she drops out, she does join this company called Minus Touch to become a professional cuddler, which I thought was pure fiction. 
did not know that this was a thing. <laughs> so I understand that this was based on your, A, that it is a real thing and that it was based on your personal experience. I read the article that you wrote recently for Esquire and I just want to read a line from it, which I thought was so interesting. You said, after I quit my nine to five in late 2021, I started cuddling because I wanted to examine the fine gossamer boundary between sex and intimacy, pleasure and caretaking that I'd been thinking about for years. I wanted to embody the confusion, discomfort, and tenderness of holding an utter stranger. She's beautifully written, but also Wow, like all of those things, you're right, come into this process of cuddling. It just it, it really blew my mind. So so tell us about your experience and why you wanted to infuse that into the novel and those your cuddle card descriptions. I mean, just it was fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was a really fun part of the book to write. And mm-hmm. you know, it grew and ballooned in the drafts. Partly because I realized it was such a fertile metaphor for what was happening in Kathleen's life, where she feels sort of unmoored and disconnected, and she's really searching for solid ground, and she finds it in, yeah, the arms of complete strangers. But to backtrack, I first learned about professional cuddling when I was in grad school. I mentioned in in the essay, but I was just looking for summer gigs and needed, you know, needed some summer cash and was on the university job site and saw that someone was opening a physical cuddle clinic or cuddle business and they were looking for folks to to come in and be therapists. And I was, you know, had never encountered it before, was totally fascinated by the idea that, you know, you can give, you can serve intimacy in this way. It was also, you know, cast as completely platonic. This is just about touch. And I didn't end up doing it then, but it planted a seed and, you know, it sort of percolated for many years. And then finally, when I was, you know, creating the character of Kathleen, I don't know, you know, the wires touched and there was a spark and I was like, oh, this is the perfect thing for her to explore and for her to get back into her body and out of her head. So that's how it's grew. That plot light grew. And then in my research, so I was doing a lot of research about, you know, what would Kathleen have been researching in, in school in terms of haptics, but I also did a lot of research in terms of skin hunger and the way that it plagues America, and very quickly it's basically, you know, the unfulfilled need for touch, an unfulfilled need for this regulating thing that lowers your stress and lowers your anxiety and boosts your immune system and helps you sleep all across the board. It's got these really amazing benefits. But as I did my research, I realized, you know, I would love for an opportunity to actually do it myself. So yeah, when I finally had more time opening up in my schedule, it was sort of like life imitates art in this weird mode of method acting. I was like, I'm going to do what Kathleen's going to do. And I had only done research in terms of hiring cuddlers. And now I got to be the cuddle provider. And yeah, all those things are true. I I went in and encountered firsthand this sort of really head on confrontation with intimacy and what that means. And there are so many layers to it depending on the situation, right? But you 
really found that you really can have a really intimate, face-to-face, connected encounter with with a stranger. A stranger, and yeah. not be romantic or or sexual. But it's just so foreign because there's not a lot of avenues for that kind of encounter to happen in her day-to-day. No. This is one of those things that sounds like so wild and a little scary and dangerous, but in the way that like, I want to go do it now too. I'm like, I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, completely. like something I I want to be out of my comfort zone to experience. It's, yeah. yeah. Or that I would need. I mean, Corinne, you recall, you do like to say that I'm just a walking head. I mean, maybe I'm getting a little bit better, but like you're saying, she was, Kathleen needed to sort of integrate like the cerebral and her head and the thinking part with her body. And what better way to do that than through this, this physical touch. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe here's my remedy right there. Yeah, I'll be signing up for cuddling that. after this. Yes, Thank you. <laughs> yes. I, I I feel I've even as the person who's being hired to cuddle, you know, afterwards I feel the benefits too. It's really yes, a I'm rush sure. of oxytocin and endorphins. You feel so much more calm and clear headed. Yeah. That's well, I need that. So maybe maybe that will push me over the edge. I want to come back to Marissa and Kathleen a little bit. This book really helped me, you know, books find you when they're supposed to find you. I know your book is actually coming out, but it still found me at the right time. I've been struggling with my mother and we don't have half the barriers that, that Kathleen and Marissa do. But I, ironically, I really, over the course of the book, got to understand myself more as a daughter and maybe the ways I've disappointed my mother and Instead of, it's it's always one way, like, you didn't do this, mom, you didn't, you never hugged me, you never did this, you never, you know, you didn't watch out for this. And I really got to see that through Kathleen and have some more empathy for my own mother. And I wanted to read a little bit, if that's okay, because I am guilty. I guess that's what it is. I am guilty of doing some of the things that Kathleen does and... Never. Oh, let me read it and then I'll talk a little bit. In high school, my extracurriculars carved a route around my mother, whose nightly ritual after her shift at the restaurant was to bathe in the crackling light of the television and drink until she hardened to boulder, her features sediment in stone. Because I didn't know how to help her, I escaped. I signed up for every club that would have me, the Science Olympiad, National Honor Society, Key Club, Amnesty International. I was the school treasurer and played volleyball, rose before dawn to edit the student paper, and secured a bit part in the fall production of A Chorus Line. That chapter goes on kind of in a different direction, more about Andrew, but I just had such an aha moment, especially with that line, like I didn't know how to help her, so I escaped, and I very much did that to my mother. And I never thought of overachieving as a way that can you can really emotionally let someone down and to not connect with them and not be there for them. It really blew my mind. So I wanted to just talk about what you were, what you had hoped, and we don't have to give away the ending, but what you had hoped for Kathleen and Marissa, because as the novel goes on, we really peel back the layers of 
how Kathleen has viewed her mother. And she's getting to empathy, but she's also discovering more about herself and what, how maybe she was complicit. Is that, is that fair to say? Was that part of your thought process? I want to hear about that. Absolutely. All of that is true. And there's no neat takeaway at the end, right, for Kathleen and Marissa to come to, which may be frustrating for some readers, but I think more true to life. There's not this thesis statement of, oh, this is the way we are. Rather, what I wanted for Kathleen and Marissa both to realize is these 20 factors that are intertwined are like, are why we are the way we are. And we're doing the best that we can given these sort of outside forces and internal forces, but they're all connected. And I love what you said about Kathleen's overachieving as a way to to get her way out of this relationship because she does sort of do that in this unconscious way. You know, like you can't accuse me of not being there for you because I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, to add in that immigrant layer too of, you know, this is what you came here for me to do. This is the opportunity that I'm seizing. And that's so demonstrative of their relationship, right? You know, there's a double-edged sword to almost everything that they do. But I did want them to peel back these layers and, and come to these moments of understanding and that they start to link together is so much as what is hard for them are these pre-baked in notions and narratives that they've told each other about each other for so long that it's really hard for them to see outside of that. And in fact, you know, even things that are innocuous or, you know, even if it's not what some, someone means when you're locked into a narrative, everything that you hear and everything that you intake just locks back in and reinforces confirmatory. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's confirmation bias. So for exactly. Yeah. And I just think with family, this is what Corinne and I always talk about. I think no, it's, that's where it's most pronounced that, that, that you're not allowed to change. Okay. Those in your family of origin, you are who you are. You are your roles. As we were talking about earlier for her, like particularly your parents aren't supposed to change. Like what? No, you guys are definitely who you are. Maybe the child (laughs) is allowed to evolve perhaps, but but I would argue not among your siblings. If you have siblings, I am, yeah. ask my brother, I'm the same person I was at nine. I'm not allowed to be different. I'm still the tattletale. I'm still I was going to say, the tattletale is always we, number one we, because we, we like, can't as get if out that's of it. something you can really be in your, yeah, in your 40s. Yeah, you just get <laughs> right. locked in. Yeah. I want to read a little bit about exactly what you're saying. This, this was the undeniable force that sucked all conversations back to the core. Her sacrifice, my ingratitude. And I'm going to skip to the next page. We had had this conversation hundreds of times before. Neither of us could find a new way to speak, a new path to travel. So we circled the same grooves until our feet wore furrows in the ground, furrows that deepened into canyons, gouging out a mountain with our failures of imagination. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is where they are stuck. And that beautiful imagery just really, oh, and it's a failure of imagination to not be able to see a different way out of it. Oh, I mean, barbs. You threw barbs at me, Jenny. <laughs> I'm glad that spoke to, I'm glad that spoke to you. And, and yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So 
you know, on this book, what I was trying to throw them into are just these moments that hopefully jolt them out of that narrative narrative a little bit. So at least they start to see some possibility of, oh, I've been wrong this whole time. Yeah. 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 That's another thing we were talking about last night, about how you have to try to unknow people. You know, mm. we talk every, in relationships or families, You, it's about seeing them and knowing them, but sometimes you have to unknow them to allow them to change or, or, or to break the patterns or to have some imagination that they could be something different than what you've already decided in your narrative. That yeah. But, yeah, because if you don't, like Kathleen, you feel resentful. Like she yeah. has that line where she says like, what? So now like she drinks green juice and she goes running. She's, she's yeah. running and now all of a sudden what happened between us is just erased. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we are super into astrology on here and we never know how it's going to land any of our woo-woo-ness. But, but you know, we've it runs the gamut. But I did see a post of yours that I'm hoping maybe means you don't think we're crazy on Instagram where you noted it was Capricorn season. So you said in honor of Capricorn season, you are announcing a new job, which is not jobbing, which I loved. I know, and I was, like it was, <laughs> was to announce that you were writing full time and you said, which I love this line, it feels good to point my head and my heart in the same direction. So are you a Capricorn or were you just excited about Capricorn season? (laughs) I am a Capricorn sun, Aquarius rising, and Pisces moon. Oh, Okay, so you have a similar problem as I do. I'm a Capricorn moon, Aries sun. Those are very different personalities. Mm -hmm. And when your sun and your moon are, it is a lot of the head and the heart kind of at war with each other and Pisces and Capricorn would be the same kind of war, which is like creative go with the flow Mm -hmm. versus so disciplined and meticulous and, you know, like structured. Yes. But it sounds like in that moment with that post, you were integrating your, your son and your (laughs) parts of yourself. They were. Oh, and throwing just, yeah, your, Oh, we love that. The Aquarius So are you into a, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fixed sign. Are you are you into astrology at all? Do you I mean, you yeah. obviously know your big if three. You know your so three I know my big three, which you can't, you know, I've lived in the Bay Area for a long time. You oh, can't yeah. be in the Bay Area and not, you know, your big three. Like it would just be a conversation. Right. Kill. <laughs> you know, I love I love talking about astrology. I use it sort of like a litmus test for just how I'm feeling. Like, I think it's a helpful prompt for people to react to. So you can either identify with something or say like, oh, that's not me. I feel sort of similarly about tarot cards. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's sort of this prompt and it's sort of this like free association. How do you feel about that? Does it fit into your life? Does it not fit into Mm -hmm. your life? So Yes, among among me and my friends, it's a, it's a frequent topic. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. We need to hang out with your friends. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. I love it. And also, I had a similar experience kind of to you with the cuddling with astrology because I've been into astrology like from a very young age and then I wrote a novel and it had some say. astrology in it, but not a lot. And my editor was like, Oh, we need more astrology. So then I found myself diving even deeper in. So very similar to the cuddler for you that, that, and that skin hunger idea and the touch and the intimacy. It just like built 
it's like chicken or the egg, which one came first? Because it just deepened, I guess, with the writing experience. I love that. I love yeah. when a writing project becomes a life project because it's yeah. really yes. inextricable because it's mostly just what you're thinking about. What are you yes. working with? What is your, what's the thing obsessed you're obsessed with? And of the yes. obsessed Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. And the not that I'm an expert, but that I can't stop thinking about it, can't stop, you know, like I want to know more. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm, yeah, unpacking it, as you said. I love that. Which is um, such a nice feeling. I love when you're obsessed with something. Oh, oh yeah. Please. That's that's, <laughs> that's our like our whole our mo whole over here. <laughs> what we're obsessed with. Speaking of, so we do like to close out with anything that you are loving right now. Other books, TV shows, anything that you're that you're obsessed with. We want to hear about. Yeah, right now I'm reading a book called Raving by Mackenzie Wark. She's a professor and she writes about raving and a theory of raving and raving more in terms of like queer underground bushwick not so much like electric daisy carnival in in vegas but i love what she you know she comes up with all these terms that kind of describe the out of body experience communal experience that is raving especially from a queer perspective She's a trans writer, and so she talks a lot about, like, how these spaces are spaces where you can, like, kind of not think about your body in the way that someone who's not in that status quo has to think about their body very intensely in all in all arenas of their life. So having a really fun time with that. I love uh, that. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like not cutting off from the body, but maybe, like, transcending it in this communal way. Yes. Yeah. And at, at once transcending it and burrowing very deep. Even deep. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I love um, that. It's like this like psychedelic consciousness that is very liberating. Cool. Yeah, I love the way that she talks about that. What else am I obsessed with? I've been listening to this artist called Pudding Club, and I found that it's really good for writing. It's, mm. you know, all instrumental, and it's, you know, vaguely electronic, but kind of wonky and cutesy and for me it's just like a really good thing to have on while I'm writing and oh that's cool just started Bama Rush oh yes <laughs> yes I've heard oh, of that yeah. yeah how is it's, that it's like a wild subculture wild exactly I'm so far removed from it it's yeah I, it's fascinating it's upsetting and fascinating yeah right right that's as so many imagine. things are yeah <laughs> <Exactly>. yes <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. We didn't even, this book is really, we didn't even talk about how the cuddling comes from like an antidote to her loneliness and the loneliness is really all over. It's not as clear of a theme, but it's, it's a consistent through line that Mm -hmm. that's what she's really trying to, to heal. But I loved holding pattern. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us about some of these ideas and to get even deeper and and i am going to take things to talk about we love things to talk about because we don't have enough topics to talk about (laughs) no you gave us something to obsess about we really did and now i'm taking away from this conversation that that achievement as emotional abandonment (laughs) think about that (laughs) one for a long time that's got to be added to our list because you know i think i think we've got a lot to unpack there too yeah we love it Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
This Thank has been you. an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for, for asking these questions. I feel like I've learned a lot also. <laughs> Go about ahead. about your book. We get that all the time. Authors are like, I can't, I'm already feeling like I, my book comes out next summer and I'm like, I can't wait to talk to people so they can tell me what my book is really about because I'm struggling. Like I can, you can see it in other people, but in yourself, it's hard, right? It's so hard. Yeah. I'm so excited for your book. Maybe we'll, yeah, yeah I'll interview you. <laughs> yeah. There I'm you in. go. She that. always jokes that like, she's not going to be able to answer any of the questions. She's like, I, if oh. I asked people what I asked them, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm like, I would be horrified. Yeah. I'd have nothing to say. I'd be like, thank I, you. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd have a I, lot I think so. I guess. I, I mean, so. I'm going to have to work it out. Maybe that's why it takes a year to publish a book because, you know, once oh, it's yeah. even done, yeah, like I need to think about it more. Yeah. Five years of, five years of it was just like futzing and, and being confused about what. what oh, yeah. The writing of it. Oh, yeah. The writing of it is a whole different thing. But even just getting it to publication, I just oh, need yeah. that time to think about my talking yeah. points. Yeah. Well, you will have time, which is great. Yeah. There's been like, yeah, a year of, I guess, not so much being in the text and just like right. all the marketing and publicity that happened. So there there has been some time to think about. Not that I used it all that well. Right. But. Of course. I won't either. <laughs> Are you writing something new? You're into that. I actually am. And Yay. that is, you know... It just sort of happened and I'm really grateful for it. And that is a piece of advice that I kept hearing from other from other writers is that, especially with a debut, is to have something already cooking. It's going to take a lot of the pressure off. And I find that to be true. I'm really, I'm at a point where it's like starting to gain momentum and starting to get a life of its own. And that is always a really good feeling. It's also just really refreshing after thinking about, you know, a very small set of characters, very intensely for almost eight years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm glad you're at that world. point of momentum because staring at the blank screen is not, yeah. it's not the fun yeah. part. No. <laughs> no. Oh, All right, good. Well, well thanks thank again, you. Jenny. Thanks and so thanks much. for giving us a little extra time. So, Of course.